Welcome new patrons Mike Devine and Clint Shannon. Thank you for your support and for helping to make these stories possible. To hear this and other episodes ad-free, listener shout-outs, and more, help support the show through our official Patreon at patreon.com slash bleedersdigest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S-T. The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. adventure hidden in the darkness bleeders digest issue number 51 the crownley woods written by lauren shand the morning sun was rising on the plain of the horizon bathing the farm in a warm yellow light the potter family had inherited the farm from jim's father who had died from the spanish flu in 1918 Jackson's mother had died from an infection associated with the birth of their only son. Jim grew up lonely and desired to have a big family. His wife Grace also wanted one as well, as she was raised with eight siblings. Where are you two going? We're going digging for treasure. Lucy, why would you tell her that? Sorry. The last time you two went to dig for treasure, you both soiled your clothes and broke Dad's shovel. That was Lucy's fault. No, it wasn't. It was old. Well, we won't break this new one. We'll be careful to stay clean. You better not break his new shovel and don't track any mud in the house. Lucy and Hugh went inside the barn and grabbed the shovel hanging on the studded wall. Out of the siblings, those two were the closest. They did everything together. The farm was nestled in front of the Crownley Woods. The children loved exploring there and even had a tree house that their father built in a redwood. Hugh found the most perfect spot to dig for treasure. He placed a metal point in the ground and began flinging dirt in the air. Hey, watch it! Bev will get so mad if I get dirty. Sorry. What do you think we'll find? Do you think we'll find gold? Maybe. I hope we find a dinosaur fossil. No thanks. Hey, let me have a turn digging. Fine. Lucy used all her tiny muscles to dig until the tip of the shovel hit something hard. Hugh took over with excitement. Is it gold or money? Maybe it's a bone of a gigantoraptor. I hope not. What a disappointment. The kids dug a cavernous hole that led them to a large rusted box. The box was a tarnished copper color that had an unusual symbol on it. The symbol consisted of a circle with a triangle in the middle with smaller circles surrounding the center. Random numbers and letters floated inside of it. Hugh placed the rectangular box on the ground. I want to open it. No, I better just in case there's something dangerous inside. Oh yeah, like what? Hugh slowly opened the lid. Inside laid a piece of paper with cursive writing on it. 
It looked like some sort of instructions. Below the paper rested a dusty wooden board made out of maple. The sheet of wood housed beautifully intricate letters and numbers etched into it. The symbol that decorated the front of the box was on top of the lettering. A wooden piece with a circular see-through window sat in the left side of the old box. Hugh read the note out loud. The ash of yesterday cures the aches of today. Place the fingers that of index and middle on the planchette to conjure the souls from beyond. Don't stay too long or time will be thine enemy. Weird. What does that mean anyways? I don't know. It sounds like it's a game. Here, help me put this board on the ground. Okay, now what? Hand me that piece that's in the box. Lucy places the planchette on top of the wood board. I think it's some kind of communicator. Look, there are letters and numbers on it. And the words, yes, no, and goodbye. Lucy, put your finger on it right next to mine. Well, all right. But who are we communicating with? I don't know. Well, it says ashes, so I think maybe dead people? What? Like ghosts? Ghosts are scary. It'll be fine. Just do it or else. A gust of wind ushered through the trees and made the leaves on the ground dance in delicate circles. Both Hugh and Lucy sat around the old board and placed their hands on the planchette. How do I start this thing? Should I say something? I don't know what to say, but maybe we should say the Lord's Prayer. Hugh went to tell Lucy to be quiet when their hands started moving in the up direction. It's not funny, Hugh. Stop moving it. I'm not moving it. It's happening on its own. Yeah, right. I'm not stupid, you know. Yeah, you are, but I swear I'm not pushing it. I think you are. Me? I'm way too scared to push it. It was you! They both accused each other of moving the wooden piece. The point of the piece moved from an H to an E to an L to an L to an O. Both kids were frightened, but blamed it on their sibling to make themselves feel better. It's spelled hello! Hi, this is Hugh. What's your name? You're really scaring me, and this isn't funny. All right, Hugh, you had your fun. Please stop. Lucy removed her fingers from the planchette and stood up. I think we're talking to a spirit. You mean a ghost? Stop saying that. I want Mommy and Daddy. Lucy starts tearing up and tugging on her curled pigtail. Hugh ran over to his sister to comfort her. It's okay, Lou. I'm sorry. I was just playing. There is no ghost. You promise it was you? Come on, let's put the board back in the box and bury it back up and go home. Okay. The children heard a small scratching noise in the distance. When they turned back around to see what it was, the planchette was moving by itself, rapidly going from letter to letter. (laughs) Who's doing that? Hugh looks around, trying to piece together what is happening. He holds Lucy tight. She burrows her tiny face in Hugh's chest, afraid to see what is right in front of her. Whoever's doing that, knock it off! Stop! The wooden piece ceased to move after Lucy let out her big scream. It sat in the middle of the board, idle. Newly made scratch marks covered the surface. Hugh turned to Lucy and noticed that her beautiful green eyes had turned a foamy white 
her tiny body was convulsing. Lucy, what's wrong? Are you okay? Why are you shaking? He reached out to touch her, and when he did, she let out an alarming, unearthly sound and fell to the ground. <coughs> Hugh's eyes and mouth were opened as wide as they had ever been. Lucy, are you okay? Lucy! Hugh continued to touch Lucy's face and hold her in tears till she finally opened her bright green eyes. Oh my, I'm so glad you're okay. Are you okay? Oh, what happened? Why am I laying down? What was the last thing you remember? I remember that thing was spinning all over the board. And then it just stopped. The next thing that happened, I fell to the ground. You're not going to like this, but... Your eyes disappeared, and then your voice changed, and then you passed out. What do you mean? Just what I said. Are my eyes okay now? What about my voice? You seem fine now, but that was really scary. I was terrified you weren't going to wake up. It had to be that evil thing. It has to be. Let's put it back in the box and bury it back in the ground where nobody can ever find it. Yeah, I don't want to be around that thing ever again. Yeah, me either. Together, they put the old wooden board in peace back in the broken down box. They placed it deep in the hole from which it came and covered it back up with soil. They vowed to keep what happened in the woods that day just to themselves. They tried to push the awful memory down deep inside never to reach the surface. When they walked in, their mother was in the kitchen preparing supper, and their dad was in the living room listening to the radio. What are you two up to? Oh, nothing. Are you okay, Lucy? Yeah, I'm okay. Go say hello to your father and go upstairs and get washed up for dinner. The children slowly made their way to the living room. They could see their father resting in his big chair. The radio was on and he was listening to a radio play. We interrupt this program to inform you that longtime inmate Charles Roger Tack was executed this afternoon by electrocution. He was charged with the murder of five Crownley Woods children. He was known for his brutal killings and became notorious for ripping the hearts out of his victims and sewing them to the outside of their bodies. His last words were, This isn't the last you've seen of me. Now, back to our program. Did you hear that? There's a murderer that kills children. Was Lou. They killed him. Whew. Let's go say hi to Dad. Hi, Dad. Hi, Daddy. Lucy hopped up on the chair and snuggled in with her father. Jim was loving and kind. His family was everything to him. And little Lucy was wrapped around his little finger. How are my little adventure seekers? Good. That is fantastic to hear. Did you find any treasure in the woods? Treasure? Yes, Beverly said you were out exploring the woods, trying to find treasure. Yeah, it was great. Mom says we have to go upstairs and wash up for supper. Well, you best be on your way then. I can already smell your mother's delicious roast chicken and potatoes. Hugh and Lucy ran upstairs and got ready for supper. They spent the rest of the evening spending time with their family and trying to forget about the afternoon activities. Lucy and Beverly shared a room together with the most beautiful floral wallpaper. Their furniture was made of maple wood and had an old look to it. Um, Beverly, can we sleep with the light on tonight? 
Why? I don't like sleeping with the light on. You never want to sleep with the light on. Yeah, so? I don't know. I'm a little scared of the dark. What is so scary about the dark? What if there's ghosts and they start coming after me? Ghosts aren't real. And if they were real, you're nothing special, so they wouldn't go after you anyways. Ugh. Thanks. I'm turning off the light. Lucy closed her eyes super fast and super hard. She was afraid if she opened them, she would see something otherworldly. She cradled her stuffed elephant and counted to 100 until she fell into a deep sleep. The cuckoo clock in the hallway chimed three times and its sound echoed off the walls and traveled all throughout the house. Beverly was awoken by a tapping noise. She pulled the covers down and sat up in her bed. The light of the moon illuminated the tiny room. Lucy, Lucy, are you awake? Do you hear that? Beverly glances at Lucy's bed, but it's empty. She continues hearing the repetitious tapping and starts getting annoyed. She looks at the other side of the room and sees Lucy standing up in her nightgown, and she is facing the wall. Beverly can only see her back. She gets out of bed and moves closer to her, calling her name. Lucy, Lou, what are you doing? Are you making that horrendous sound? Beverly reaches out and puts her hand on Lucy's shoulder. Lucy's skin is ice cold. She hears a gush of liquid hit the ground. Did you just pee? Ew, Lucy, turn around and look at me. This isn't funny. Lucy slowly turns around and faces Beverly. The light of the moon hits her face through the window. Beverly notices something isn't right with Lucy. Her eyes look like empty white saucers, and her lips are drained of color. I'm going to get mom. I think you're sick. Beverly starts to walk away when Lucy grabs Beverly's arm and pulls her toward her. The quick pull breaks a small bone in Beverly's arm. She yells in pain. <coughs> Beverly looks Lucy in the eyes and doesn't recognize the person she sees looking back. Lou, is that you? Silence fills the air. Lucy grabs both of Beverly's arms and scratches them so deep they bleed. Lucy's dead, you fucking moron. And you and your family will be too. Lucy's body hugs the wall and rises to the top of the ceiling of the room. Thick yellow pus oozes out of her mouth and bounces on the wooden floor. Beverly looks in horror as her little sister is pinned at the top of their room with no explanation. Lucy's arms start bending back in ways not humanly possible. Beverly screams. Lucy's body falls to the ground and makes a loud thump sound as it lands on the floor. Her parents run in the room from the noise. Lucy, honey, why are you on the floor? The evil exits Lucy's tiny body and she is herself once more. She again doesn't remember what has happened. The last memory etched in her mind is counting to 100 to try and fall asleep. I don't know why I'm not in my bed. But my arm is sure sore. It's okay, honey. We will get you all cleaned up. I can't unsee what I just saw. What do you mean? I mean, Lucy was, I don't know, floating on the wall. Pardon me? I know this sounds crazy, and maybe it is, or I am, but Lucy's eyes turned a glowing white, and she was tapping on the wall. Stuff was dripping out of her mouth. A gush of urine hit the floor. It's like she had no idea she was peeing or what was happening. 
Then she started speaking and saying the most horrific things, and it didn't even sound like her. I did what? How can I do that? You must have had a nightmare, Bev. Her eyes seemed to be just fine, and last time I checked, people couldn't fly. Dad, I know what I saw, and it sounds crazy, but it's true. Everyone settle down, or you're going to wake up your brother. Back to bed, you two. The two girls climbed back in their beds and reluctantly fell back asleep. More of Bleeder's Digest, issue number 51, The Crownly Woods, after this. The next morning, the daylight covered the room in the light and warmth. Lucy rubbed her eyes to get a fresh look at the day. She noticed something resting on her rocking chair. The item looked familiar. She got out of bed to grab a closer look. There is some weird wooden box that is covered in dirt on your chair. What? It's right there with some weird symbol on top. Why would you bring something so old and dirty into our clean room? Lucy runs over to the chair and can't believe her eyes. Did you put this here? No, what even is it? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness! Calm down! Did you open it? No, but you better get it out of the house. Mom will be super mad if she sees that dirty box in her freshly mopped house. Lucy picked up the box and ran to find Hugh. Hugh, did you do this? Did you put this in my room? Lucy stood in the doorway of Hugh's room, holding out the box for him to see. Whoa! Why would you bring that thing back here? I didn't! Are you sure you didn't bring it just to scare me? Of course I didn't. I don't want anything to do with that evil thing. I found it just sitting on my red rocking chair. Was it there last night? I don't think so. But last night, Bev said I did all these really strange things, and I don't remember anything. Give me that box. I'm going to take it to the lake and destroy it. Hugh grabbed the box from Lucy and rode his bike till he reached the docile lake. He took the board and planchette out of his backpack and placed it on the ground. He jumped up and down on top of the box and planchette until they were just pieces. With every jump, a memory would come to the surface of the horror he had saw when Lucy and him found the box. He took the board and broke it into a pile of wood. He picked whatever was left and threw all the contents into the lake. He watched as some pieces sunk and some floated. A weight was lifted off his chest and Hugh felt lighter. When he arrived home, Lucy was sitting in her room in a rocking chair with her head pointed down. Hugh's heart started beating fast and he started to sweat. He noticed as the rocking chair slowly rocked back and forth that Lucy was holding the box in her lap. Lucy, what's going on? I'm so confused. I just broke that thing into a bunch of tiny pieces and tossed it into the lake. Lucy, why aren't you saying anything? Hugh approached Lucy and bent down to get to her level. Her head was still tilted down. He gently put his forehead against hers and said, What are we going to do? I'm so scared, Lou. The bedroom door slammed shut by itself. It made Hugh jump and gaze at the room. A chill ran down his spine, and his heart started beating fast. 
You should be scared. All have feared me, even at death. Lucy, are you okay? Why are you saying that? What happened to your eyes? I'm not fucking Lucy, you idiot. She's gone forever. Your little sister's in hell. You better give her back to me. Don't worry, you're gonna join her real soon. The demon pushed Hugh to the ground and pried his mouth open. The demonic force vomited black tar and ash into Hugh's mouth, suffocating him with vomit. Hugh wiggled, trying to catch any breath he could to soothe his overworked lungs. The vomit continued to fill all his cavities until he drowned in the demon's regurgitated poison. Hugh's body rose, floating in the air. The buttons on his shirt started popping off like popcorn as the cotton ripped open, exposing his chest. An outline appeared through his skin around his heart. The flap of skin tore open, exposing his dormant heart. The muscle was quickly detached from the inside of his body and sewn to the skin outside his chest by the demonic force. His body slowly made its way down to the floor, landing in a slouching sitting position. Lucy's white eyes returned back to green. She playfully jumped down each step till she made it to the entryway. She opened the front door to find Beverly planting some flowers in the flower bed. What have you been up to? Oh, nothing. I'm so bored. Why don't you go play with Hugh, or why don't you help me? Hugh is playing something I'm not interested in, and planting flowers isn't fun. Father's going to be back in a few hours from going into town, and I want this to look nice. Where's Mother? She's at the church, getting items ready for their fundraiser. Will you come down to the basement with me to get my ball? It rolled down there, and I'm too scared to go. It's too dark and scary. <sighs> You're going to have to grow up sometime. I won't always be there to go in the basement for you. I know it's just so dark down there and creepy. I think a monster lives down there. Sometimes I hear growling. Monsters aren't real, and the growling is in your head. Fine, I will go with you, but I need to get a glass of water first. I am so hot from gardening. The girls made their way into the kitchen. Beverly reached into the cupboard and grabbed a glass from the first shelf. She turned on the sink and waited for the water to run a bit before filling her glass. In the distance, they hear the radio in the living room click on. Why is Hugh playing with Father's radio? He's gonna break it. That's not Hugh. Of course it is. Who else could it be? The girls shuffled into the living room to find not a soul was there. The radio cycled between different stations until it landed on a news program. The family of Charles Roger Tack, who was executed by electrocution yesterday afternoon for the murder of five children, claim he was innocent. I don't care what people say. My brother didn't murder anyone. He was framed. When are they going to move on from this story? It's old news now. It's creeping me out. I don't like listening to it. It's so sad. I know it's sad that all these young kids lost their lives at the hands of this monster. I'm not sad about those kids. I'm sad that they executed that innocent man. He wasn't innocent. He was found guilty of murder, Lou. Gosh, you have been saying the strangest things. I thought you said that monsters aren't real. Humans can be the darkest monsters, but there isn't some boogeyman hiding in our basement is what I mean. Which reminds me, let's go get your ball. Beverly and Lucy approached the basement door. It creaked as they opened it. Beverly went over and shut off the radio. 
Beverly pushed the light switch up, and the light did not turn on. She tried flicking the switch and then down multiple times, and nothing happened. She ran and got a flashlight, and proceeded downstairs with her little sister in tow. All right, where's your ball? It's over there in the corner. Go grab it, and let's get out of here. Lucy ran to the corner of the basement and picked up her red ball. She stood with her back to Beverly. Lou, let's go now. You have your ball, so start moving. Beverly heard a dark growling coming from the opposite side of the room. She shined her flashlight in the direction, expecting to see a wild animal, but saw nothing. Her focus returned to Lucy. She walked up to her and tapped her on the shoulder. Lucy stood still. Beverly turned her around to talk to her face to face. When she noticed, her beautiful eyes were gone, and in their place were white saucers. A sinister smile stretched across Lucy's innocent face, and foam spilled out of her mouth. Are you okay? What's happening to you? Lucy cracked her neck in an inhuman way. Okay, but you won't be. I'm gonna go get some help. You don't look well. Lucy doesn't look well because she's not. She's dead, you fucking idiot. But don't worry. You will be seeing her real soon. Stop it! That's not true! Are you fucking dumb? I'm not Lucy. She is rotting in hell and you're gonna be too. Beverly looked straight into Lucy's eyes. She knew at that very moment that Lucy was in fact dead, and that Lucy's body housed something incredibly evil and dangerous. Beverly ran upstairs, but the basement door was locked. She tried vigorously to open the door, banging excessively and pushing against the wooden door. Lucy stood at the bottom of the stairs, her eyes glowing in the shadows. The demon pulled Beverly down the stairs with its kinetic powers. Beverly tried to grab onto anything to stop the pulling, her arms moving in all kinds of directions. Thank your sister for summoning me with that board. I thought once they killed me, that was it. A little voodoo magic brought me back. And now I can continue my work for death. Please, stop! Sorry, I don't have the heart to. The force pushed Beverly's body back and then quickly forward, banging Beverly's head against the basement's concrete wall. Blood covered Beverly's face and oozed out of every open wound and gash. After one last powerful thrust against the wall, her body slowly fell to the floor. She was dying, but was filled with rage over what this evil thing had done. She saw her father's paring knife resting on the shelf to the left of her. She felt a burst of adrenaline surging through her bones. She stood up, ran over and grabbed the knife and stabbed the little girl in the heart. The demon let out a screeching sound and the basement began to shake. Tears of black tar ran down the little girl's face as she floated to the ceiling. Beverly backed up out of fear. You little bitch. You ruined everything. You will pay for this. The demon used what was left of its energy to sew Beverly's mouth shut and sealed her nostrils with a fresh coat of skin. Beverly convulsed aggressively till she suffocated to death. Her latent heart was torn from her body and sewed onto her freckled forehead. The body of Lucy reached down to the pool of Bev's blood. It dipped its fingers in what used to be her sister's bright red 
blood. It took her fingers and wrote a message on the wall. When it was finished, its body started to shake until its chest ripped open and its heart exploded, leaving little pieces all over Beverly's face. The front door creaked open as Mr. Potter made his way into the entryway. The house was suspiciously quiet. He yelled out for each of his children, and nobody answered. He moved around the home, investigating each room. Hello? Where is everybody? Maybe they're out back. He approached the stairs and ran up, looking all around for his family. Audrey wasn't due home yet, but the children should be there. Kids, I'm home. Are you guys playing hide-and-go-seek? He opened the girl's door to find his only son, dead, on the floor. Hugh's body sat against the wall, with black tar all over his pink lips and face. Jim couldn't process the reality that was a few feet in front of him. He let out a curdling scream that echoed throughout the farm. His sadness had taken hold of him and revealed itself in the vomit that flew out of his mouth and hit the floor. He called out to Jesus asking why and started crying. He went over to Hugh and gently hugged him. The thoughts of Beverly and Lucy crashed into his mind. Lou and Bev, where are they? Are they okay? Jim quickly got up and looked around the few other rooms upstairs before he went back down. Lucy! Beverly! Girls, are you okay? As he turned the corner, he noticed the basement door was wide open and the light was flickering. I hope they are in the basement hiding from whatever monster did this. Beverly, are you down here? He made his descent down the wide wooden stairs. Each step down followed with a creak that echoed through the stairway. When he got to the last step, he looked around the room. The horrific images he saw that day would haunt him for all eternity. His sweet Beverly, the child that first made him a father, the one who changed the way he saw the world from black and white to vibrant shades of color, sat empty and cold in a puddle of her own blood. Lucy's tiny body laid on its side, her chest cavity stretched wide open, with her ribs broken with sharp points sticking out. Her eyes were agap and stained white. He ran over to her and cradled her in his arms. He rocked her body back and forth like he did when she was a baby, kissing her forehead. Images flooded his thoughts of her first day of school, her picking him flowers and curtsying, tears streaming down his satin face. As he looked up, he saw the message that was left on the wall in blood. It read, Play me to seek solace, with an arrow pointing down towards the floor. On the ground, the spirit board sat, with the planchette resting in the middle. Mr. Potter sat down and moved his hands towards it. The planchette started spinning erratically, and then all of a sudden, it stopped. It crept across and over to D. A. D. 
followed by the letters that form the words, help us. It's hot in here, daddy. Ow. The fire keeps burning me. Featuring Jade Shand as Lucy, Everett Shand as Hugh, Scarlett Shand as Beverly, Lauren Shand as Audrey, Stephen Knowles as Jim, Trevor Shand as the narrator and radio announcer, Engineering Production and Sound Design by Lauren Shand, Additional Production and Sound Design by Danny Sweet, Theme Music by Tyler Connolly, Chrissy Fox, and Trevor Shand. Bleeder's Digest is created and curated by Spider One, Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeder's Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.